are on today with a woman that is very near and dear to my heart, and we go all the way back to the days of Okemos Chiefs. Sarah Klein and I went to high school together. And if you know that name, perhaps in the media or from the news, Sarah Klein is now a powerful attorney fighting for sexual abuse survivors and advocating for laws to change what's happening in our world, exploiting and sexually abusing our children. Her story will astound you, what she's been through and how far she's come. Just say so many amazing things about Sarah. I'm just so honored and grateful that she is joining me today on Sunny Side Up. And we get a chance to see each other um, on camera, which is amazing as well. So thank you so much, Sarah, for being on Sunny Side Up today. Oh, thank you so much, Alicia. It is truly amazing to kind of come full circle and get to hang out with you as an adult woman, another mama. Um, doing amazing work. So this is just a delight. Thank you. Isn't that cool? When you just said adult, like you're right. We were kids. We were kids. We were like, you know, causing all sorts of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like yesterday. And now we're responsible for little humans ourselves. Totally crazy. I know we're all. How does that happen? (laughs) No, you blink. You blink and it happens. Yes. Okay, so Sarah, just to jump in, one of the main questions I always ask my guests is, we have these storms in life, right? These crazy shit storms, these tornadoes, these hurricanes that happen to us in life. They are inevitable. They happen to all of us. So I want to ask you to, to take us through some storms that have happened in your life and how you came came through those storms, how you found yourself on the other side of those storms into the sunshine. And I know, because I know you, these incredible storms that you've been through, but a lot of people listening might not. And your story is one of just courage and bravery. And, but I want you to share it from your perspective with us. So, so based on that question, take us through some storms in your life and how you came through the other side? I love that question. So I was thinking before we were going to talk today about the last time I saw you and the last time we were hanging out as these high school students and where I was in my life at that point. And, you know, I, I think looking back, I had some severe PTSD and didn't necessarily realize it at the time. I was coming out of years, well, actually I was still in years of sexual abuse at the hands of Larry Nassar. I met Larry when I was eight years old at Great Lakes Gymnastics in Lansing. He was not yet a doctor. He was just our volunteer athletic trainer. And I started gymnastics when I was five. And by 1988, Um, Larry appeared at our gym. I was also being coached by John Geddert, who people have most likely heard took his own life uh, a week and a half ago. And so, you know, this dynamic of these two abusers, this sort of good cop, bad cop dynamic, John Geddert would literally break our spirits, break our bodies, um, you know, tear us down and then send us back to Larry Nassar in this 
room where parents could not access in order to be then sort of built back up by him and in the meantime sexually abused so you know when I when I saw you last I was I was still sort of in that I was done with gymnastics at that time when I finished high school due to an arm surgery but I was still seeing Larry and still sort of in that place of not I was still in the storm, if you will, right? Um, and it took me decades, literally decades, to even realize the full extent of that storm. Um, and, and during that time, my life sort of started to slowly decline. I became withdrawn. I became um, riddled with anxiety. Even le leaving my house to go to Rite Aid, would almost send me over the edge. I was just withdrawing more and more and more from life. And I couldn't quite put my finger on why. And, you know, then this news article came out about, about Larry Nasser being a sexual abuser and like a light bulb went off in my head and the whole paradigm of my whole entire life exploded in one minute. Like, what do you mean the person that I thought I was dear friends with who loved me who was always looking out for me what do you mean he was actually sexually abusing me and actually doing that treatment for his own sexual pleasure and I was an adult at that point and so it's almost like I didn't understand the extent of the storm that I remained in for my entire life and then I went into a new storm of reality of what this whole thing had really been and you know looking back at John Getter and saying wow I guess it's not normal to throw things at a child's head wow I guess it's not normal to wipe the the floor you know where Sarah Klein has vomited with her face like I guess that's not normal right and so it's like from one storm of not fully understanding it but being abused into the next storm of oh my god I was being abused and now I'm an adult and I have a one-year-old and this is all a lot right and so all brought me you know to my knees in a way that I think I still, as we were talking about earlier, have, have moments and days and triggers where I'm still getting out of that storm, right? Um, but I will say this, the way that I have dusted myself off and gotten up over and over and over again in a way that has allowed me to go in the world and be a voice and be an advocate and be a lawyer, for other people who have gone through this is that I did not want all of what happened to me to be in vain. You know, it had to mean something. I kept searching for that, the answer to that question, why? You know, why did this happen? This is horrible. And, you know, looking at my little girl who's five and to think, you know, I had that little tiny body and I was eight when, when people started breaking it and using it sexually and you know why did that happen it giving meaning to what happened to me has been the the the, the coming out of the storm right the, the answer to my your question is I've given meaning to to what happened and so that's been 
the way that I've been able to come out of that storm that sometimes I'm still in. And we'll talk about that, you know, in terms of the healing process being a lifelong journey, but giving meaning to what happened and being able to use it for some purpose and say that happened, but look, now I've done this and I'm doing this and I'm helping this person. That's been sort of my way of, of moving through the storm. So, so many thoughts on the, on, on what you just said and so many questions, but here's what's so profound to me, Sarah, because I knew you as a young girl, and because you knew me as a young girl, looking back on that time, I'm thinking when you're that age, when you're eight, when you're 10, when you're 15, and you think what's happening to you is normal. You and I didn't sit outside our lockers after B lunch and say, this is what's happening to me. Hey, Sarah, I have an eating disorder and I'm bulimic and I'm self-sabotaging because of things that are happening in my life, things that are happening at home. Hey, Alicia, uh, my coach is doing things to me that I'm uncomfortable with, but that's what they're supposed to do, right? Like looking back at these little girls, I think what's so profound to me because we have kids now is is giving anybody listening to this the courage to say whatever age you are, wherever you're at, if something doesn't feel right or if something seems uncomfortable to you, that it's okay to tell someone. And Sarah, in your TED talk or in one of the interviews that you had that I was listening to, you said something that I wrote down and it said, we must start caring about children's safety more than our reputations. Like I think about what you just said, parents weren't allowed in the room and you were being sexually abused. Parents weren't allowed to witness. And I feel like I'd like to say we're in a different time. I'd like to say that won't happen anymore, but it is right. And it's even happening now with, with kids in the school situation and kids not being allowed to go back to school uh, because of COVID and the things that are happening. And like, I'm seeing it every day where parents have to fight for what's right for their kid, or maybe a, a child has a special needs situation and the parent is the one that has to fight for that situation. And um, there's all these things that happen to our kids, whether it be sexual abuse or in school or bullying or whatever it may be. And I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I just, I think what you are doing and what you went through and what you did is so incredibly brave. I mean, that's the word that comes to me. Um, so thank you. <laughs> thank you for being brave and for sharing your story over and over and over again. And I wish I could go back to knowing you back then and know what was happening to you and help you through it. Um, but it's not in vain and you are, you are making something amazingly redemption, redemption sword that comes to me um, and helping others find their voice. So going back to Larry Nassar and John Geddert, I actually didn't even know who John Geddert was until 
recently until this happened in the news. What was happening that you would puke and he'd put your face in it? What was happening that um, he would throw things at you? Was that his coaching technique? Who was he? Yeah, so he was a nobody at the beginning, right? And Larry was a nobody. Larry wasn't even a doctor, but they both had these dreams and would sort of stop at nothing to get to get there. So Larry had these dreams of being an Olympic doctor and also he wanted to abuse kids. Um, John had a dream of being an Olympic coach. And so John saw what the Carolis, the sort of most famous gymnastics coaches um, who coached Mary Lou Retton and coached Kim Zemeskel and all those Olympians um, were doing. And they had brought this Eastern European coaching style to the United States. And the Eastern European coaching style was based on beating it into the gymnast. And, and sort of asking the gymnasts to vacate their bodies, vacate their minds, vacate their spirits, take away their voices and just say, give me your body and do what I say and don't talk and don't, you know. Holy shit. Yeah, totally crazy. And so the premise was have a gymnast who doesn't talk, who doesn't express emotion, who doesn't tell you when she's scared to do something, you're not allowed to say anything. So when your coach says, do this, even if you're terrified and it's the first time you're trying it, or if you have an injury and your leg hurts, you're not allowed to say anything or you'll get screamed at and what was called kicked out of the gym and shamed. And getting kicked out was the most mortifying thing that could happen because you're being shamed. And so, and, and publicly shamed in front of all of your peers and, and whatever. And so that, you know, what that achieved winning for the Corollis that achieved gold medals for the Corollis and John saw that that worked. And so he adopted that. And also I do think just at his core, he was a narcissistic, angry, furious, mean person right and so um and so the reason i vomited at practice was because i that day had eaten french fries on the way to practice and my mom had i had special permission in middle school to leave early so my mom would pick me up like at 1 30 when the rest of the kids would stay until like 2 30 and i would zoom off to practice to to practice for four or five hours and that day, instead of bringing a nutritious, you know, meal for me to eat on the way to practice, she was running late. She had a full-time job. She brought me fast food and I vomited out of, you know, fear, at, which was a normal thing. A lot of us would puke before practice because we were so scared of John and he saw that I had French fries in my vomit. And so to make an example of me of not eating properly, um, he called all the girls over, took the back of my head, pushed it down into my vomit, and then made me clean it up on my hands and knees. And I was like 12. Um, and so then you see what, when you were sent back to Larry, Larry was like, I'm so sorry. I'm, you know, going to give you a hug and tell you it's going to be okay. I'm here for you. You're amazing. You're so strong. Larry was so nice. And so then when Larry says, 
lay down on my treatment table face down and I'm going to fix your body for you and make you feel better so that you can go back out and do all the things John's asking you to do. And then he penetrates you with his fingers. You're kind of like, oh, Larry would never hurt me. He's the good guy. He's the best part of this whole experience. He's so nice to me. What would I do without Larry? And Larry was in a way a lifeline for us. He was in the gym, right? Our parents had other kids. Our parents, you know, a lot of times weren't allowed to stay for practice. And so Larry was the, the best part of it. And even today, looking back, and I've said this in interviews before, I would take 17 more years of Larry Nassar's sexual abuse before I would take one more hour with John Getter. Like John Getter terrifies me still to this day. He's no longer with us, but like as an adult, he, he incites a fear response in my body where Larry was just sweet and nice and like a Labrador puppy you know, the kind of guy you think would, would harm no one. So that was what was going on there. And you can see how with that good cop, bad cop dynamic, they were able to get away with it for so long. And then you have USA Gymnastics, who's like, these guys are perfect for us. Larry will clear them, even though they're injured. So we can push their bodies, even though they're broken. And John Getter will whip them into the best gymnasts of all time because he will terrify them and push them beyond their limits and make them into perfect little robots. So we love these two. We're going to give them a, the Olympics. We're going to celebrate them. We know what they're doing. We've been told what they're doing, but we're going to put them out there and give them the best, the best positions of prestige possible. So in 2012, you've got Larry Nasser, Olympic doctor, John Getter, head coach of the Fierce Five gold medal winning team it's on the Wheaties box. And these images of John Getter, you know, posing with them wearing their gold medals. And those of us who knew Larry and John were looking at that, like, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> you know, and, and so we've now learned that all five members of that team were in fact abused by, by Larry, sexually abused at the Olympics. And you've got John not letting them eat at the Olympics and Larry sneaking them food. And so, you know, you can see why USA Gymnastics and the Olympic Committee loved them because they won, they swept everything, right? They won. What in the actual fuck? Yeah. I mean, right. that is, that is barf. Like I, I'm trying to remove my emotion out of this, even though like I want to reach through the camera and hug you, but I want, I'm trying to remove my emotion out of this to say, okay, what, what, because of your voice, Sarah, and because of what happened, like, what do we have in place now? What laws and policies do we have in place now to make sure this never happens again? Well, that's my fight. You know, we are still in litigation with USA Gymnastics and with the Olympic Committee about this very issue. They still refuse to take responsibility. And a lot of the same people are still in the same roles. So every day I get up and I put on my armor and I go to war because 
these sports aren't safe, right? You see not only sexual abuse in gymnastics and abusive coaching, you're now seeing it in basically every Olympic sport. We have cases in swimming and Taekwondo and speed skating in, you know, ice skating, figure skating, right? All these athletes are now coming forward and say, wait a second, this happened to me too. But you've got these organizations who still care about money and liability. They don't want to have to pay claims. And so they're saying nothing to see here. Oh, these athletes, they weren't our responsibility ever. What do you mean? The Olympic committee is saying, oh, we don't have responsibility for these athletes at the Olympics. No, uh uh-uh. Well, then who does? They're 15 years old. Who was responsible for them, right? Both organizations knew about these, these men and sat on it for months while they never picked up the phone and called over to Michigan State and said, you have a pedophile. So 60 more girls were then abused at Michigan State Sports Medicine um, because nobody wanted to be sued and have to look like the assholes that they truly are. And that's what I, I mean when I say placing money, medals and reputation above the safety of athletes. And that's really the war that I'm in. I'm, I'm in it right now. I'm in it every day because it's not safe. Nothing has changed. And, you know, it's, it's, still, it's still a fight. And, it, and you shouldn't have to fight for kids to be safe, right? It seems like common sense. Um, I've testified in front of United States Congress. You know, I'm still working with Congress in order to, to get, you know, these, these organizations exposed. Um, Congress has put some things in place, but I don't think they've even fully wrapped their minds around what happened and how it could happen and how bad it is. Cause you almost can't believe it. You almost can't believe this could actually be the reality. But no, can't believe it. I can't believe it happened to you first of all. And then I can't believe it continues to happen. It's like, once we know better, we have to do better right? Once we know better, we have to do better. And thank you for being at the front line fighting for all of our kids, because that is what you're doing. And, you know, my next question is, how do we join your army? What can we do to help you fight this? I love that. I love that. Because sometimes I do feel (laughs) like I'm on the front lines. And, you know, where is everybody else? You know, the thing that these organizations hate most of all is brand damage. Um, So just having these conversations and just being able to say these, you know, these bad guys are actually bad guys is helpful to me, right? You know, when you have kids in sport, you are calling things out. You are demanding more transparency. You know, we We know that, you know, the Getter gym was still in existence up until literally like a month ago when they sold it to Catherine Getter's, John's wife's sister. So it's, you know, it was still fully operating and and families in the Lansing community were still sending their kids there defending the getters, which again, it, it, that piece blows my mind. And the only thing I can say about that is I equate it to a cult. You know, when you're in the cult, you don't know you're in the cult. 
you're, you're still buying hook, line, and sinker, the messaging from the cult. Um, but I would say to all the mamas listening and all the parents listening, have a voice. You're in charge of your child. No other adult gets to tell you or your child what to do or what not to do. And keep your eye on them. You know, our parents weren't completely oblivious back in the day. They, you know, they were, they were around, they were seeing it, but it was the 80s and the 90s. And, and we weren't having these conversations. There was a huge stigma around abuse, right? And, and you know, thinking of you and me in high school, you know, there would have been a stigma around you saying, I have an eating disorder, right? There would have been a stigma around me saying, hey, you guys, I think what's going on here is not okay. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't, I was still so in it. I didn't even have the wherewithal or the language to say that. So I, I don't, I don't think you guys ever would have known because it's almost like I hadn't really, I didn't really know, you know, um, but I think talking about it, talking to our kids, giving them the words to say, mom, you know, this coach or this teacher, or this doctor made me feel funny, made me feel uncomfortable, right? And you, you know, with, with eating disorder stuff, I think there's still stigma to break through there. And, and the way we break through stigma is we talk, we talk, we connect, we're vulnerable. We are okay being vulnerable and raising our hands and saying, Hey, Alicia, you know what, what's happening to me doesn't feel good. Can you help me? And knowing that we'll be met with some level of compassion of, of being seen, of being taken seriously with arms wide open you know, I'm sure you probably thought in high school and correct me if I'm wrong, like if I tell people about this or if I ask for help, they won't like me anymore or they won't want to be my friend or they'll think something's wrong with me or, you know, or whatever. Um, I think we have to keep breaking through that. And the way we do that is we lead by example. And, and part of coming on here and saying, look, I still have bad days and I'm still broken in some uh, in some way but in a way that's beautiful right and that i'm celebrating i have scars i have wounds and i'm okay showing you guys those scars and those wounds because i know you have them too and let's all have them together thank you so much for saying that i feverishly wrote down the way we talk the way we walk through stigmas the way we get through stigmas is to talk about them and to you're so right in saying that it's possible in middle school or high school I would have felt a lot of shame around what I was doing to myself or it's possible had you identified what was happening to you you would have felt shame, but we were in the storm. And when you're in the storm, you don't always recognize what's happening. It's when you come out of the storm is when you really recognize what was going on. And so I think there's so much to be said for 
coming out of the storm and being okay talking about it because that's the only way through it. And I feel like a lot of people are afraid to talk about what happened in the middle of the storm because they don't want to be viewed as uh, an outsider or there's shame in it, or they don't want to be viewed in a negative way. And once you realize that talking about it, the freedom that you feel, there's so much freedom and it's almost like a weight just kind of falls off of you. And then you also realize that the people that matter in your life the most will start aligning. They'll start coming towards you and saying, and I have goosebumps now saying this, I hear you, I see you, I've been through that same thing or I've been through this and thank you for allowing me this platform to make it okay. Because Sarah, what happened to you doesn't define you. What happened to me doesn't define me. What happened to anybody out there listening does not define you. It happened to you, yes, but what makes you you is your beautiful spirit, your beautiful energy, these beautiful things in life that you've accomplished. And you won't realize that unless you allow yourself to talk about the storm, to talk about what you've been through. And the only way through it is to acknowledge it. And I guess, as they say, like hit your rock bottom, right? You have to hit your rock bottom in order to come through it. And we all have a thing. We all have a thing. Everybody's thing is different, but we all have something that we have to move through and navigate through. And, you know, going back to what Sarah said in being advocates for our kids, and if they come to us and they say, this didn't feel right, or this happened to me, or this made me feel uncomfortable, don't dismiss it. I feel like that's the wave of change in the future is we can't dismiss the little voices. Don't dismiss these little voices that come to us and say, this is happening. We have to rise up. And if we don't know where to go with those little voices, we have to find somebody that does. And we have to just keep fighting like Sarah's doing, like Sarah's army is doing and come together collectively to fight harder for that. For a lot of different reasons, you know, and, and I was experiencing more PTSD, right? And, and that's okay. And that's okay. And then a couple of days later, you know, I was able to kind of breathe through it. And I mentioned to you, you know, I'm starting with a new trauma therapist on Saturday. I'm 41 years old. You know, this stuff happened to me a long time ago. It didn't happen yesterday, but I'm going to keep reaching out to the resources that, that will help me move through my practice of healing. And I don't think I'll ever arrive, but I don't think I want to arrive, right? It, it's part of who I am. I always say, I'm so lucky that this all happened to me. I've, I've come to the place where I found immense gratitude for it for a few reasons. One is I got a lot of my storm out of the way the first 40 years of my life. And now I feel like I get to walk into the next 40 or 50 or however many years, you know, with almost no backpack on. And, and that's awesome. That's a great feeling and stuff will come up. And I know that because it's life, but I went through a lot of hard stuff and I'm a wiser, 
older soul for having gone through it. And then the other reason I'm grateful is because I'm doing what I'm doing now. Never in a million years did I think I would be a sexual abuse attorney, right? Um, I went to law school like, like many people do for no reason other than you just don't know what to do what you're, with your life and so you go to law school. Um, but getting to do what I'm doing, I, I am exactly where I am meant to be. And, and so had this not all happened, I wouldn't have, you know, the, the platform and the confidence and the, and the know-how and the wherewithal and the depth to do what I'm doing now. Um, but healing, healing is a process. It will always be a process. And instead of resenting the process and resenting the days where I'm in fetal position, I accept them and move through them and breathe through them and, and know that other people are in the same place as me. And if anybody says to you, I've arrived when it comes to healing, they're, they're not telling you the truth. And I want your, your listeners to know that even someone like me who looks like, you know, they've come out the other side and are strong and are fighting and doing this and that, oh man, I still have my days and weeks and I struggle and go to therapy and go to trauma therapy and do all the things. Um, too. And some days I need your listeners to pick me up just like I want to be there to pick them up when they're having those days or maybe not pick them up, but just love them through it. Right. Um, and let them be in fetal, but, but, but allow them to know they're not alone and they're loved. And it's so true that you truly never know what somebody's going through. Right. I mean, you're so right on that. I am forever, the whole rest of my life, even though you and I have reached a point of finding a little more freedom and it feels so good to be there, it's still a journey and the hard things will continue to come. But now we've got a few more tools, right? We've got a few more tools in our toolbox and that's all we can do. That's the best that we can do and know that it'll never be done perfectly. None of us are ever perfect. And there's so much judgment in the world too, right? Like never knowing what somebody's been through, how can we reach a place of, of a little less judgment and a lot more compassion? That's certainly what we need in this world, <laughs> for oh sure. Gosh, you can say that again, <laughs> you know? And it's like, if you were to look at our little high school class, right? If we now line up those, those women as adults, right? If we all would have known what the others were going through and had that compassion and that empathy, right? We, we would have been such a force and we didn't know what we didn't know then, right? But we do know now. And so if we can live our lives with that, always in the back of our head, you never know. I, you know, I thought you were just had it all together. Right. And, and, you know, so fun and so cool. I want to say something about what you just said, because I'm so deeply touched, but what you said about vulnerability and about the word authenticity came to mind. The way we truly connect with friends, 
with strangers. I mean, talk about, talk about, you know, the way that I've met so many other survivors that I would never have crossed path with, paths with in life, but that it's an immediate seeing and knowing, and you can feel closer to a stranger than you sometimes feel with friends you've known your entire life because it's it's a relationship based on authenticity here's exactly who i am with my good my bad my scars my shit and i still see you and i still love you and i still accept you and you know i i have to say when you get to that point like you said it's freedom. It is, this is who I am. Take me or leave me. And that's where you get to really step in to being your best self and living your truest life. And, you know, you see, you see, you know, still, especially with women trying to be something, be the perfect mom, be the perfect wife, be the perfect, you know, school board, you know, PTA member, right? And and it's the people, people will fall away in your life. I feel like when you step into that authenticity, those relationships that aren't fuel for the soul will fall away when you step into the, this is who I am in all my different forms and shapes and sizes and colors and scars. Um, and, and, and that's where you can really experience connection. And that connection is what gets me up when I'm on my knees. That connection is what gets me up and want it and allows me to want to keep fighting the fight and, 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 and working through the stigma and, and just, um, continuing to speak out and, that's the thing, you know, with you, I was saying we haven't talked or seen each other in probably over 25 years, right? We're, I'm 41 now. I probably haven't seen you since I was 18. Um, and we can pick up right where we left off in a way because we are both living authentic phrase saying this is who I am and that connection can be sort of instantaneous because I know I'm getting real you know you're getting real and and vulnerable and um and so it's just a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing and we could do a whole show about shame right shame is is such a complicated thing um because shame is what keeps right? The alcoholic, the drug addict, the eating disorder, the cutting, the self-harm, the sexual abuse, um, all of that hidden. And as long as that's hidden, you know, we, we are doing ourselves a disservice and doing every other person out there a disservice because like you started the show by saying, we all have our shit. We all have it we all have it. And so until we break through that shame, there's still going to be people hiding and unafraid and, and afraid to talk about it and address it. So a visual that came to me, I've always considered myself a visual learner and you have to show me a picture and paint a picture for me a lot of times for me to understand something. And Sarah, when you were talking about 
everything you just said. I, I want to say a million things, but I pictured a shame backpack. Okay. So everybody put on their backpack and inside our backpack is all of these things that make up who we are, the good and the bad. And we go on a hike. And as we're hiking, we unzip our backpack and we say, you know what? I'm going to leave this here. This is weighing me down. And the only way to take it out of our backpack and let it go is to address it, to take it out of the backpack, hold it in your hands and say, okay, this is a, this is a part of me. This happened to me, but I don't need you anymore. You're not serving me anymore. Goodbye. And you leave it on the trail and then you keep moving and you just continue to take these things out of your backpack and you say, it's a part of me. It's in my backpack. It's a piece of who I was, but I'm just letting it go now. And it's not, it's not serving me anymore. And at the end of the hike, you unzip your backpack and there's nothing in there that's weighing you down anymore. And that is okay to do. But the only way we're going to do that is to acknowledge and authentically be okay with saying, this is who I am. This has happened to me. This is a piece of who I am. And the word that's come up so much for me this year in particular is the word woke. I've been having conversations with so many people, even people from as far back as kindergarten, all the way to people I've just met, this word woke that when you finally wake up to being the true version of yourself that's willing to take a look at all the pieces and really seek out that best version of you, you become woke and you start to notice the world around you, people that are not quite woke yet and people that are fully woke and you all start to align. This alignment happens and it's a really amazingly beautiful thing. And I encourage everybody to maybe take that visual of the shame backpack <laughs> and try it for yourself and see what happens and know that it's a process. Know that it's never fully done. The work is never fully done. And Sarah even talked about that. And, and I want to actually continue that conversation with you, Sarah. The, thing, the, the premise that healing is not linear and we're always healing and triggers will, ha will happen and things will make us fall to our knees. But it's continually showing up for that healing journey. Yeah, you know, it's, it's sounds cliche, but it is such a process. And, you know, I, I made the analogy of, it's like getting on your yoga mat every day. And, and the whole concept that with yoga, you never arrive. It's a practice. You just get on that mat every day. And some days, you, you know, it, your practice looks like this. And some days your practice looks like that, but no judgment. Right. And, and that's the same thing with healing. It's not linear and things like, you know, John Getter committing suicide took a huge toll on me. And I was in fetal position in my bed. And, and I think you and I both always want to stress to everybody we come in contact with, you are not alone. If you are a stranger listening to this podcast right now, you are not alone. Reach out. We're here with open arms, with zero judgment. You are not alone. There are people to listen, people to love you through it. Life is tough. And it's also 
a beautiful thing when we can come together and walk each other through it and stand on each other's shoulders, right? To, to help each other when we're in need. Um, if I would have known back then that I was not alone, I don't know that it would have changed the trajectory of my life, but man, it would have made it a little bit easier. And so talking about tools too, Sarah, you'd mentioned, you know, uh, you have a new therapist that you're going to see and, and yoga and um, exercise, but what are some other things that have really helped you that maybe could help others too? Journaling is sort of my go-to and what you just said is so spot on journaling to that little girl that I once was who didn't have the tools and the voice and the, and the, and the wherewithal to even understand what was going on and working on healing her and taking care of her and nurturing her has been really, really, um, profound for me. And I'm a big believer in therapy. I am so glad that there's less of a stigma around our mental health now than there was back then. Um, I, I love therapy. And then, yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm, I'm doing a lot of processing right now because this conversation is taking me back in a good way, you know, taking me back to the younger version of Alicia and the younger version of Sarah. And I actually, um, I did a really neat episode with, um, a past life regression therapist. So if, yeah, if you haven't listened to that one yet, her name's Nadia Elma Grabby, and it's a previous episode. Um, so we did an episode together on sunny side up, but after we recorded that episode, she and I had a four hour session and it was a four hour past life regression therapy session. And it was amazing. And I actually recorded it because I told her, I said, when the time is right, I would like to release some parts of this because I'm vulnerable and not afraid to, put, you know, to, to share that because I feel like there's a lot of healing, but why I'm sharing this with you, Sarah, and why I'm sharing this right now in sunny side up is my past life regression therapy session with Nadia. I don't think it took me to a past life. What I saw was little Alicia. When we were going through the hypnosis and the therapy part of it, and she took me into this deep state of meditation, which was really, really beautiful. I saw this little girl with brown curly hair and she was in, um, I haven't shared this. I'm sharing it with you right now. I haven't shared this with anyone. Um, this little house, this, um, it was like a barn style house and it had a turquoise door and she was there and a whole lot of other things happened, which I'll share later, but, um, it was really cool to go back to a place where it could have been a past life, but I really think it was me. And I think if we go back to the little version of ourselves to say, I love you, uh, I care about you and moving forward, I'm going to do what I can to protect you. We can start to create that healing shield and um, be the best version of ourselves and then also start to set a better example for our kids, set a, set a have better relationships, have healthier relationships. Um, because when you're coming from a place of healing, which is ongoing, 
it starts to look different in every facet of your life, relationally, uh, psychologically, physically. Oh my gosh. How much do these traumas take on physically? I mean, we could do a whole episode on that too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Taking some action to protect kids and a future generation has been really healing for me. Um, Taking my clients through the legal process and literally giving them their voices back that they lost when they were kids by saying, hey, you get to hold your abuser accountable now turning the tables on that power dynamic between a survivor and their abuser and getting to see them stand a little bit taller and take some of that weight out of their backpack is super healing for me because again, it makes me feel like what I went through um, was not in vain and I can actually do something about it now and protect little ones so that nobody else is in my shoes, right? And um, it's a it's a journey for sure. But those have been the things that have helped me. I I just cannot. Again, I want to jump through the screen and and just squeeze you and thank you. <laughs> but um, that the the warrior Aries mama mother bear comes out of me here because I just want to thank you. Anybody that's out there fighting for what you're fighting for predators, sexual abuse, bullying, human trafficking, all these things that are robbing our children and, and it's just unimaginable, unimaginable. Anybody out there fighting for that, Sarah, your purpose is hugely important. You are not just a ripple girlfriend. You are a whole (laughs) freaking whole freaking ocean. (laughs) I mean that. I mean that even if I didn't know you for 30 years, even if I didn't know you, Sarah, I thank you. Thank you for fighting this fight. And I am joining your army today. I am, I am a part of your army and the army will align because enough is enough. Yeah. And enough is enough. Yep. Yeah. And, And somebody said to me one time and it brought me to tears you know, Sarah, you deserved a life without this. And maybe I did, right? Kids do deserve life, a life without abuse, but I didn't get that. And so it's my mission now to make sure that all the kids have a life without it. And, you know, I'm just one person, I'm going to do the best I can, but moms united can run the world, (laughs) you know, um, mama bears united can create such change. And so our kids deserve, our kids deserve lives free of abuse, of harm, of, of, you know, all of the yucky stuff. And so we'll do everything we can to, to try to deliver on that. Well, I wish that for you too. You know, I, obviously I wish that you could have never endured that, Sarah. I wish that that never happened to you. We all wish that. But I also like to look at life as a whole and what it has propelled you into is so incredibly beautiful. And this chapter of your life, these moments that you're moving into this fight that you're fighting are 
so hugely important. I don't even pretend to play God. I don't know why these things have to happen to us or why they do happen to us, but I'm a big believer in the big picture. And our time here on earth is just this little blip. And each of us is, you know, collectively a a small part of the bigger picture. And you know, getting super deep here, but (laughs) we are literally on this sphere, this earth that's rotating and we're a a part of the energy and our time here is, is important. The mark that we make matters. The, the words we say matter, the things we do matter um, for all of us, for all of us. And a lot of people say to me, Sarah, I don't have a story. Why would you want me on your podcast? What, my story doesn't count. What I went through doesn't even hold a candle to what you went through. Bullshit. Amen. Bullshit. You do have a story. If you're listening to this, if you're breathing, you have a story and your story matters and your story can change someone's life. So never be afraid to say it. And you know, when Sarah said journaling, maybe it starts with journaling it to acknowledge those feelings and put pen to paper on, on whatever. If there was, I feel like we've said so many amazing things, um, but if you were to close your eyes and put your hand on your heart and just maybe take a couple deep breaths, is there any final thing that comes to your mind or your heart or your gut or whatever it is? It, can, it doesn't even have to be anything we talked about today. Is there anything that you want to put out there to the sunny side up? people. What came to mind, I think I said, which is, I I want every single listener out there to know they are not alone. It doesn't matter that we're strangers. It doesn't matter if your family or your friends or the people around you are not seeing you, really authentically seeing you. There are people who will see you. We're out there. We love you. We support you, whatever you're going through, whatever you're not going through. We see you. You're not alone. And I want everybody to know that. Thank you. And where can people find you, girlfriend? I am on Instagram at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, G, Klein, K-L-E-I-N, and Twitter at S-G underscore Klein. And my email addresses are on both of those social media accounts. So always feel free to shoot me an email. I'm here and I will respond. Amazing. Thank you. I truly feel like this is just the beginning um, for, for so many things. You, you said something about mamas unite or mothers unite. And I'm like, is that a thing? I think we should make that a thing. T-shirts. We need all the things. Mothers unite. MU, like MU University. I'm telling you moms with 
you stay know, tuned. Yes, moms can get it done. Don't fuck with moms. This is going to be an explicit. It's an explicit episode, but yeah. it's true. Yeah, moms, don't fuck with the mama bears. <laughs> don't fuck with the mama bears. God, I love you. I love you. We God, got it. It was good more. to see you. So good to see you. <laughs> If you are interested in being a guest on Sunny Side Up, please email me at bornsunnysideup at gmail.com and I will send you the Google form to get started. Really excited about where this is all going. Thanks for continuing to tune in and I hope to hear from you and continue this dialogue of interesting, fascinating conversations that connect us, bring us purpose, and just really help us find the bright side of everything in life.